It's great to be speaking to you tonight, and uh, it's great to see you here as well. If you would like to take one of the Bibles out of the chairs uh, in front of you, as Nikki said, we're in Colossians chapter 1. Please open it up to page 1192. Colossians 1, starting at verse 1, page 1192. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want to speak to you tonight about how to thrive in your life. The Apostle Paul in this passage in Colossians gives us the answer. Put simply, and in short, he says, live a life that brings pleasure to God. That's how we can truly thrive in this life. I once heard a speaker do a little illustration that had a huge impact on me. I'd love to show it to you. Imagine this rope goes on forever and ever and ever. Imagine you could uh, wrap it around the world several times over. Imagine it just goes on and on and on. Obviously, it, it, it doesn't. It just ends by the drum kit somewhere. But you just have to use your imagination a little bit. Just pretend, just humor me. This rope goes on forever. And now imagine this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just go on. You just exist forever. And this yellow part here, this represents our time on earth. We have a few years on earth, and then we have a few years in eternity. You see, so many of us are fixated on this part of our existence. We get so excited about this yellow part. 
We think, wow, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm, I, I'm going to get a great education. Uh, and, then I'm, and then I'm going to work really hard. And I'm going to save loads of money. And then I'm going to really enjoy this little bit here. We put all of our effort, all of our focus, all of our attention here. But what about all of this? What about all of this time? What about all of this existence that is left to be had? You see, the Bible teaches us that the the decisions that we make in this part of our lives have huge influence on the rest of our existence for all of eternity. You can enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what you've been created for. That's who you are. That's your identity. You can know him and it's a relationship that can start today and can go on forever and ever and ever. You see, lots of people speak to me and they might say, aren't you you a little bit foolish Maybe working for the church or being a Christian. Because the decisions that you, you make here, are, aren't they going to impact other stuff here? You know, and they might have a point in some way. But sometimes I find myself speaking to them and saying, well, maybe you're a little bit short-sighted. Because the decisions that you're making here impact the whole of the rest of your existence into the whole of eternity. But it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to stay focused on all of this. We can become so distracted by this small part. But when we grasp the reality of this, it can change our perspective. It can change our entire set of priorities. And you see Paul in this letter, he's praying and he's reminding this church, this church plant at Colossae, of who they are in Christ. He wants them to know that they can live a life that pleases God fundamentally through Jesus. So what does it mean to live a life that pleases God? What do you think about when you desire to please God? I know for me, I'm conscious that often I can equate pleasing God with works. So often I want to earn God's love or earn his approval in some way by doing certain things or perhaps by not doing certain things, by refraining from some of the wrong things. In my attempt to connect with God, actually I try and qualify myself in some way. Sometimes I can view God a bit like a slot machine. I put stuff in, I do my good works, I work faithfully for him, and then I expect to get something out, his love, his acceptance, his approval, his affirmation. I can be bound by work. So, so, sometimes I can even have this way of thinking where I think, actually, God's quite lucky to have me. He's quite lucky to have me on the front line. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a vicar, I'm working in this church, we're doing Alpha, it's all around the world, we're planting churches. Actually, I can become absorbed in my own self-importance. Sometimes, if, if I'm really honest, the, the job can get in the way of me actually connecting fully with Jesus and who he is. 
You see, it's not our works, but by Jesus' saving work through his death and his resurrection that we can live a life that pleases God. We can't earn anything. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you any less. We can't earn his love. It's a free gift. We just accept it and we can receive it. See, in this letter, Paul is essentially saying that if you want to live a life that pleases God, the bottom line is stay connected to Jesus. Whatever you do, don't get distracted by anything else. You get one life, one opportunity to live in that yellow section. Stay connected to Jesus. He is enough. He is all you need. He is all sufficient. Don't be tempted to think that anyone else or anything else can qualify you. No supernatural experiences, no special knowledge, not certain practices that you have to do. He's everything you need for salvation. He's everything you need to know. A life of fulfillment, of joy, of hope, of freedom and forgiveness. I love what Paul says in verse 13. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. What does a life that pleases God look like? Colossians 1 shows us four things. Verse 10, Paul says that these people may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. The first thing that we're to do is to be fruitful, bearing fruit in every good work. You see, we've not been saved by good works, but we have been saved for good works. When we understand, when we have this revelation that we are unconditionally loved by God. It frees us to show love to others. It enables us to, to live differently. How we treat our friends, our family, our work colleagues, how we relate to other people, the decisions that we make, how we speak, how we act, See, we are loved. When we're loved, we can demonstrate that love to others. As Nikki said, I'm married to Emily, and soon after Emily and I were married, we lived in a little place called Watford, and the pride and joy of my life, other than Emily at that point, was my silver Ford Escort, otherwise affectionately known as the Silver Slipper. And every Saturday, I used to go out with my bucket and sponge, and I used to wash the car. And I just used to get great satisfaction and great joy from it. A few years down the line, we had our first son, Jack. When Jack was three years old, I vividly remember the, the Saturday morning. I'd just washed the car. I was there with my special wax, getting it all clean. And Emily came out, and she said, Jack wants to help you clean the car. I thought, oh, that's great. That'll that'll be nice. We can have some time together. Jack comes out. The first thing he does, three years old, puts his hand in the bucket, puts the sponge in the dirty brake dust water, you know, when it's all a bit dirty at the bottom, lifts it out, starts smearing it all over the car. 
drops the sponge into the mud, starts cleaning the car, drops it again, all these little bits of gravel that get stuck in it, he starts cleaning the car. I'm kind of looking at it, this is unbelievable. He drops the sponge, throws it back in the bucket, walks inside and he says to Emily, Mum, I've cleaned the car. (laughs) Of course, there was me going over it all again. You see, he thought he'd made such an impact. He thought he'd made such a difference. So often for us, we can think that it's our works, it's the stuff that we do that makes a huge impact. But God doesn't even really need us. As if the creator of the universe is helped by what we can do. If anything, we make a bit more of a mess. But the importance is the relationship. See, it's not a matter of trying harder, but drawing closer to him. That's how we become fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful and productive. Secondly, growing in the knowledge of God. At the heart of spiritual growth is learning to live how God wants us to live. It's not knowing more about him. It's about knowing him more. If we want to live a life that pleases God, it's about knowing him more. And as we grow up in him, he longs that we would become disciples, developing, getting to know him more, getting into his word and prayer. It brings such pleasure to him. I said about my son Jack, one of my other boys, he's now 13, size 10 feet, can't believe they're growing up so much. Often what he loves to do is he loves to come up to me in the kitchen And he's sort of getting a bit taller. He sort of likes to sort of flex his muscles a little bit now as a 13-year-old. He sort of gets up onto his tiptoes, pushes his chest up against mine. He says, I'm getting taller than you, Dad. And I look him in the eye and I say, Harry, you are absolutely on track. You are doing exactly what you have been designed to do. You see, he's been created to grow, to develop It doesn't happen overnight. It's taken a lot of love and care and nurture and, believe me, quite a lot of food from Sainsbury's. (laughs) But he's doing what he's been designed to do. When we're in a relationship with Jesus, when we're connected with Jesus, we grow. And he wants us to increase in that fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. He wants us to grow. He wants us to move on and flourish. Thirdly, a life that pleases God is empowered and resilient. Paul prays for the church in Colossae that they would be strengthened with all power. Why do they need to be strengthened? He says here so that they may have great endurance and patience. How do you handle tough times? How do you stay standing through the storms? Maybe today you're here and you're going through a very difficult time. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm in your life. 
Maybe you're experiencing sickness or a health issue of some kind. Maybe you're going through financial difficulties or a challenge at work. Maybe you've got a very difficult boss. Whatever it is that you're facing, you may be thinking, I just can't do this anymore. I just want to give up. But actually, God comes to strengthen us with his power through his Holy Spirit. It's his power that is available to you. Some of you may have heard of uh, a missionary to the war-torn country of Burundi, a man called Simon Gillibo. He's spoken frequently at Focus, uh, our summer event, and he's also come and spoken here uh, at HTB. And Simon Gillibo was telling a story once of a man that he encountered uh, in Burundi who'd lost many of his family members. And he saw this man coming towards him one day, and this man had a huge smile on his face. And Simon said to him, how, how do you smile when you've experienced so much loss, so much pain, so much grief? And the man looked at Simon and said, it was only until I realized Jesus was all I had that I realized Jesus was all I needed. When I knew Jesus was all I had, I realized Jesus was all I needed. Jesus is all that we need. I certainly can't claim to have experienced suffering or loss on that kind of level as that man, but we all experience suffering in different ways. Uh, About five years ago, my brother-in-law took his own life. And it was a huge shock for us in our family. We didn't really see it coming. And obviously it was, and still is, to be honest, completely devastating uh, for myself and for our family, particularly for my sister, who also has four sons. They just celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary. One of them was just about to be uh, 21, celebrate his birthday. One was doing GCSEs. You know, this huge moment that rocked our family. You may be here tonight and you're experiencing suffering right now in that kind of way or maybe something has happened in your past. You see, we can know the strengthening, empowering, endurance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can have hope because of the Spirit of God's work in our lives. I know for me at that time, I experienced that through people praying for me and my family. I experienced it by getting into his word, leaning on the truth of his word. I love those verses, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Encountering God in the worship, just soaking in his presence. I also experienced the strength of the community of the church that came around us as a family at that time. We can know his strength. We can know his mighty power. I don't think we necessarily get over those kinds of things, but we can get through them. God enables us to persevere. He enables us to carry on. Nothing in that sense is wasted. God uses it all. I love what Kay Warren said when she says, circumstances may appear to wreck our lives. 
but God is not helpless among the ruins. He comes to strengthen you with power. That's his word for you today. That's what it says in this letter. They're not my words. They're not just nice words that we can speak about. But when we are connected to Jesus, he strengthens us through his spirit. Finally, fourthly, we are to be a thankful people. Paul says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. In November 1989... An American police officer who was investigating a local robbery in a, a local neighborhood, uh, he heard what he thought was a cat meowing uh, by some sort of skips full of rubbish. He went to investigate a little further, and what he found behind the skip was not a cat, but actually a four-hour-old baby. The umbilical cord still attached, and this police officer knelt down in the rubbish, picked up this baby took it back to the station and this baby went on to be rescued and adopted into an amazing family. 25 years later, Robin Barton, this little boy who'd been rescued, grew up and he was keen, excited to, to meet his rescuer. And in 2015, there was a moment where the now retired police officer and Robin met. The pair embraced when they first met. This was what Robin said. He said, finally, I had the opportunity to meet him. Shake his hand, look in his eyes and say, I'm so grateful. Thank you for saving me. You see, when we understand what Jesus has done for us, we can't help but be thankful. That's why we worship. That's why we spend time given over, particularly in our gatherings like this, together as a community to give thanks to God. We recognize who he is and what he's done, and we overflow with thanksgiving. See, it's through Jesus' death and resurrection that we've been set free. We're forgiven. We're no longer bound We've been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. From death to life, from wrong to right. You know, that weight that we couldn't carry ourselves has been lifted. That debt that we couldn't pay ourselves has been paid. The problem in our life that couldn't be solved has been solved. Jesus is the source of life itself. He's the only way that we can live a life empowered by the Spirit, strengthened, one full of joy, hope, freedom, and forgiveness, one that will ultimately enable us to thrive. And I believe that as we thrive individually as Christians, it'll have a huge effect on those whom we come into contact with, our family, our friends, our work colleagues. As we thrive individually, our communities thrive. As our communities thrive, our cities will thrive. As our cities thrive, so our nation will thrive. This is who God is calling us to be as a community, to have an impact on the world around us. And it starts with us living a life that pleases God, being connected to Jesus. Amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favourite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. 
Find out more at BibleInOneYear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.